0: Drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? Well, if the past couple of years have taught us anything, it's that what we previously thought was rock solid, our health, our jobs, relationships, even the economy. Actually, all those things might crumble at any moment. And with live music, we certainly didn't know what we had until it was gone. My guest today is Cash Savage from the Melbourne band Cash Savage and The Last Drinks. Welcome to you, Cash. Thanks for having me. Good G'day. This, this, this new album, So This Is Love, is your fifth album. Uh, but the first one since 2018, I don't mean to sound obtuse here, but what have you been up to?
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you didn't use the term five years. So I've had a few interviews of late and people keep saying, it's been the first album in five years. And I'm like, has it been five years? Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a couple of years that didn't really count in the middle of there. True, true. But um, what have I been up to? I don't know. Um, trying to exist, trying to make an album. Um You know, trying to exist through a global pandemic and um, the um, slowly, slow destruction of my identity, but um, yeah, I'm. uh, I don't know. I actually, I can't tell you. Um, (laughs) Did 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 you miss
0: live music more than we did?
1: Oh yeah, I really missed live music. I mean, as a performer, I mean. Yeah, even as a punter, though, like it's such a it's such a big part of um, my life. Live music that. uh, you know, it's my community. It's my pastime. It's my work. It's my hobby. It's all of the things. So, it's, yeah, I missed it a lot. I missed performing a a lot. Are
0: you finding now that you're back on stage and acts are coming again that the audience is somehow more grateful or just more appreciative, just happier to be there? It's it, it's somehow more refreshing. Do you, are you picking up on that?
1: Yeah, I think that. Um I think we know that, as you said in the intro, that these things that we took for granted, um, that you just think would never be able to be taken away from us, absolutely can be. And um, so, yeah, I think that I think there is a level of that. I think there's also a bit of a level of relief out there in the world that um, we can come together and collect as humans. Like I, I, I do really think that collecting in a space. Um, is a human need and I, th- I think that, that that regardless of how many music events you went to or whether it be any sort of event that we all collect in, we all really felt that missing of the, the collection of humans together um, and I particularly have I, I've absolutely missed it. Because I recall that
0: uh, in between the Melbourne lockdowns you put on a, a live show at Hamer Hall to cameras but no audience. That must have been a mm-hmm. surreal experience.
1: Yeah, it was very odd. The morning that we did it, I um I was living regionally, and um I woke up and had this like juxtaposition of feelings where I was very excited about performing at Hamer Hall. Like I'm a Mel- Melbourne musician, being able to perform at Hamer Hall, that's amazing. But then also that no one would be there, um you know. So it was a very a very odd um. A couple of, you know, a lot of emotions going into that, and then we played, and it was, um, it, we intentionally faced inwards so that we none of us were really looking at the empty seats, um, even though they were still very much a part of the performance, they weren't the main focus for us. So it was, it was very strange going into that, and you know, at the same time also being incredibly grateful that we were. Actually, able to come together as musicians, like at that time, to go in the lift, we all had to go in the lift like one or two at a time, and <laughs> it was so supposed,
0: weird, wasn't it? It, it was, it was so a very weird. strange
1: time, yeah. And we all had our own dressing rooms, which is not really our vibe, and. All our, all our writer was all wrapped in paper and all individualised and it was, you know, it was very... It's like a
0: hermetically sealed concert. And it also <laughs> makes me think about, you know, that Zen proverb about whether a tree falls in the forest and would anyone hear it. I mean, if a musician's on stage and plays to, you know, plays a set <laughs> and no one's there, is it actually a set, I wonder?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we put it, it got it got broadcast, um, you know, out on the internet and uh, so I guess it happened. I mean, I think it happened. <laughs> But it could the, have always um, been a
0: weird dream. You don't it know, It felt
1: like it feels like it happened. We're talking about it now, but no, I mean we put it out on. We put it out on record as well because there was such an energy in the room that day that it just. Um, when we got it back, we had no intention of putting it out, but then when we got the audio back, you could feel it, you know, and not, as Melburnians. Um, probably try to forget, but do remember that this was just before we went into the second big lockdown, and um, the cases had jumped up to sort of in the 20s, and it just there was a vibe that we were about to be locked down for a bit. And of course, we had no idea. This was July, I think, in 2020. We had no idea what was to come, but um, there was an energy there that that I think comes out, and it's and it's there in the record, and you feel there's a tension in in all of us there that's coming out of the music.
0: Yeah, if ever there was a time for music, it's certainly in those times. We're Mm. talking about the things we took for granted and certainly there's that fragility of life more generally. Fragility kind of is a theme that runs through your song $600 Short on the Rent, particularly talks about the current rental crisis but also about mental health and relationships. You've written and talked a little bit about how uh, the last few years has given you a deeper understanding and compassion for what people go through. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, I guess what I mean is that, I mean, for myself, and I guess I can't comment for everyone, but for myself, I, I didn't really know what it was like to have depression or for your mental health to take such a downturn. I thought I knew. I thought I understood that it was being sad um, I, you know, I, I guess I had a great understanding that it was a little bit debilitating, but but until I'd got there myself, I didn't realise how it permeates through your entire life, all your relationships, all your all your goings on in through the day, your memories of your life, like it gets in everywhere, and I I guess I never really truly understood how that was, and and I do kind of think that it's one of those things to be. It, it's one of those things that's easier to understand if you've been in it. Um so I guess I guess that's what I mean by that statement.
0: Yeah, I don't know who said it. It's probably Nick Cave, but you know, it really just robs you of what it means to be you. Mm. And it feels like everything is distant and you're kind of walking around in tunnel vision. Did you get that sensation?
1: Yeah, I actually um I never I never used to wear a watch or have any timepieces on me um cuz I kind of hated having the idea of it, of time around me. But during that, during lockdown, when it, when my mental health really dipped, I actually covered my whole world in clocks. All the rooms had clocks in them. And I still have them because time just kept slipping away from me. And I kept losing days. Like I just would wake up in the morning and the next thing it'd be 4pm and I wouldn't really have a concept of what had happened that day. Um... And, um, and even though, like, I wasn't, there certainly were days where I was really struggled to do anything, but there were days where I was still, you know, getting around in the world doing things, but time just kept slipping away from me. And so uh, I put um, clocks everywhere um, and um, and now wear a watch. But I'm still, like, like, to keep an eye on the time just to make sure it's not slipping from me.
0: Mm. When you listen to your songs, some of the lyrics, if you don't mind the comparison, remind me of Courtney Barnett. There's this sort of clear, direct story, that sort of post-punk style of lyricism. And I was talking to Kurt Vile earlier in the year about Courtney's lyrics and how, you know, and he says you can never be too specific in a song because it's the specificity that actually is the story. Can, can you ever be mm-hmm. too parochial in a song, do you think?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I disagree with him there. But I mean, also, I don't think there's any one way to write a song. So I think you can do whatever you want. One, but two, um, I, I mean, I think I think you need to be specific enough so that people will pick up what you're talking about. But then I also think that with some of the universal subjects that a lot of songs are about, um. They're universal because they're, they're so so broadly they so broadly affect us. So I, I yeah I'm I'm not sure if I fully agree with that, but I also don't know if there's any one way to write a song. So yeah, I mean I I like to be specific to myself, and with this album I've been really worked hard to be very true to my own thoughts and feelings, um, and and sort of. Hoped, gambled that that would um, connect with people, um, and and it has. But I think that um, one thing I've always noticed as a songwriter, it doesn't sort of matter how specific you are. People always take the songs on um, as their own, and I always see it as 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 you give giving giving it away. And the, the topics of the songs or the meanings of the songs are. It sort of doesn't matter where they came from to begin with because however someone interprets them is absolutely true to them. And um, it's not for me to say that the way that someone's interpreting a song is wrong or right. So, yeah,
0: that's the beauty of songwriting. You know, the misinterpretation is just as valid. Let's face it, if someone's weeping in the car thinking that this is a a song that is about love and it's actually about death, well, then they're feeling something, right? What does it matter? Yeah,
1: and it's just as valid and it's just as, it's like it's. It's, it's beautiful that, that that we can connect I mean that's the thing about music isn't it that we can all have these emotional connections regardless of the words to how the sounds all flow together and um, you know so yeah I, I don't I I um, I hope that people go out there and take on their own meanings in my songs so I, I'm not deliberately not trying to be specific but I'm certainly certainly not um, yeah, that's not something, not something I, I necessarily aim for.
0: Having said all that, $600 short on the rent is pretty specific, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yes, <laughs> we, it we, is. We know
0: where we are with this song, don't we?
1: Well, you should do, yeah, you should do. But, yeah, I mean, I guess this, this song too, though, That this is one probably one of the most deliberate songs I've ever written and, like, you know, I, I, I do pride myself on my lyrics and I do pride myself in the care that I take in making them come together but with this one in particular it took me a long time to piece it together and each line is is actually quite deliberate if not specific
0: i can't wait to have a listen this is six hundred dollars short on the rent cash savage and the last drinks the new album is so this is love and tickets are available for the national tour at CashSavage.com. cash it's been a pleasure thanks for your time
1: no thanks so much for having me
0: You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.